Rink wide Vancouver. Free game, post game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to Free Casino Games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wad and Jay Pat here with you once again on another gorgeous day here in Vancouver. Boy, getting blessed with the sunshine here, Jay Pat. And uh, I don't know if we're getting blessed with good hockey right now down in Vegas between the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. We'll get to that in just a moment. But we do have some news on the Canucks front. So let's start with that right away. We knew about Young Stars. We knew it was uh, returning once again to Penticton, September 15th through the 18th. we got a schedule now, and we also have uh, tickets, basically, where you can buy tickets. So if you can sign up uh, to get tickets for this event. I haven't been to Young Stars yet. I didn't go last year. I know you've been on more than a few occasions. Uh, I mean, it's always a great time. But maybe perhaps there's a little more steam around the Vancouver Canucks because they actually are starting to get a few prospects uh, that people are interested in. Yeah, it's a great event. It's, it's a terrific way just to start off the hockey season, Penticton in shoulder season. The weather's still generally pretty good. Uh, but the tourists, for the most part, other than those there for Young Stars, uh, have gone home. So Young Stars sort of takes over. Uh, you get the run of the place. But, uh, you know, Penticton is such a great uh, a great location between the two lakes and the spectacular scenery. And, you know, they welcome this opportunity to play host. And I think uh, all the Western Canadian teams recognize that, yeah, it's just a, like it's a big time facility there. The South Okanagan Event Center, mm-hmm. home of the Penticton V's, who, by the way, are being incorporated into this year's Young Stars, which is kind of a another cool layer to it all. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the schedule and... Mark, they're going to play the other three Western Canadian teams. I don't think people were sitting on pins and needles. You know, when are the Canucks going to face the Flames prospects? But we know that that's going to be the Friday night featured game, that it starts with two games on the Friday. Winnipeg and Edmonton, they get things going in the afternoon. And then it's the Canucks and Calgary. The Canucks will get Saturday off from game action, but that's where the Penticton V's and Chilliwack Chiefs, they slide in for an afternoon BCHL exhibition game. Calgary and Edmonton, the Battle of Alberta, Uh, on the Saturday night, and then on Sunday, the Canucks and the Winnipeg Jets will play in the afternoon, and then the thing wraps up on the Monday with two games, an 11 o'clock start, Winnipeg and Calgary, and then the Canucks and the Oilers prospects are the finale at 2.30 on that Monday afternoon, and then everybody hits the highway, and you head for home, and then the beauty of that is you're right out of Young Stars and into training camp, main training camp, so it'll be Penticton one week, Victoria the next, and then into the preseason, but uh, yeah, it's just the South Okanagan Event Center is an incredible facility for a junior A team, and we know how good the Penticton V's, they have been the class of the BC Hockey League and the champs again this year, and uh, you know, they step aside for the most part, although this year they're back uh, involved with that preseason game, uh, but they just kind of, you know, they're the hosts, they roll out the welcome mat, and then these NHL teams take over, and the people of Penticton seem to eat it all up, you get people coming down from Kelowna, up from Vancouver, and because it's over a weekend, you always see fans from Alberta. Uh, we know that Albertans can take over the Okanagan uh, at times, and uh, no shortage of Flames and Oilers and Jets jerseys in there as well. Now, to your point, you know, I think last year uh, there was some excitement. Archie Baines, that's where, you know, we saw him in a Canuck uniform for the first time, and he looked pretty good there. Nils Amon uh, really became... You know, this idea that, hey, maybe there's something there with Nils Amon. Linus Carlson looked pretty good uh, at that Young Stars tournament as well. Artur Silov's in goal for the Vancouver Canucks. So, yeah, I mean, what kind of lineup are they going to send? We're going to have to wait a while. Let's see what happens here with the draft and whether they draft a player out of the CHL or 
you know, one that uh, is from Europe, because that's one of the problems is that the European season and the college hockey season, you know, they both get get going, uh, or at least the college school year gets going in September. And so if you've got top NCAA prospects, if you've got European prospects, generally they're not part of uh, the rosters for this Young Stars tournament. And we've seen that in the past where the Canucks have had to go and, you know, find some free agent guys just to round out a roster. But you are right. They're starting to build their own pipeline a little bit here. And so, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, will some of these guys that step right into the National Hockey League, you know, will Aiden McDonough play for uh, the Canucks at the top prospects? Would uh, Cole McWard or Keto Hiroshi, guys that have a pretty good chance of, you know, cracking the NHL roster, uh, will they be tabbed to take part in Young Stars? So we'll have to wait and see what it all shakes down or how it all shakes down and what it looks like. But ultimately, we know the schedule now. And tickets will go on sale starting on Friday, June 23rd. So a couple of weeks away, just ahead of the draft, uh, you can get in and sign up for your tickets there. So Canucks have all the info on their website. But uh, yeah, we knew it was happening. And now we know the way it's going to unfold in September. Does Danila Klimovich make it to uh, Young Stars this year, you think? Uh, he did last year, and yeah. that's a great question. I think Jordan Subban was like the Iron Man. I think he played in like six of these things or something. It just <laughs> kind of felt like every year Jordan Subban was on the Canucks' top prospects list, and I think that spoke to the fact that they didn't have a ton of top prospects and that they just wanted to keep seeing more of him when he was part of the organization. So, um, yeah, like it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Klimovich is still, he's 20 years of age. 20. Like, he's got two years in the AHL under his belt. Like, I know. So, yeah. So yeah, I you know, and I think year over year it changes. The first year you go in, you know, your eyes are wide open. You're playing in a Canuck uniform for the first time, and you know other guys that maybe have higher billing than you do. And then the second year, you know, you're a little bit more comfortable with it. If he is back this year, you know, make him a leader. Like you know, it, it, the just the whole prism through which you watch and and, and assess a player. You know, make him one of the leaders. He's now a veteran of the tournament. Um, you know, get him to be the guy that sort of sets the tone for some of these other young guys that are going through it for the first time. So, yeah, I, I would think that, you know, this might be the last time. And, but, you know, I, again, he's so young. And I think that's what we all forget is that he could have been playing major junior hockey these last couple of years and instead was playing against pros in the AHL. Yeah, he's be 21 in January. So, yeah. Looking at a potentially a third year in the AHL under his belt. Maybe he'll fight for a spot with the Canucks, although uh, they got a glut of wingers right now, as we've uh, batted around many times on this podcast. But uh, just with what he's done in two years in the AHL, and I know he hasn't blown anybody away, but by all accounts, he really did take a step forward this year. Like He doesn't turn 21 until January. Yep. If he goes on an absolute heater to start next season in the American Hockey League, like it's possible that this guy could have 40 American Hockey League goals. Before his 21st birthday. He's at 25 right now. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, is he going to score 15 before Christmas? Probably not. But I'm saying if he is, you know, top line guy, power play and gets on a, I mean, I think Lane Peterson had 17 or 18 in the first half of the season in the AHL. It happens. Um, so anyways, yeah, I mean, it's funny because we, you're right. We spend so much time focusing on what the Canucks have at the NHL level and this glut of wingers. And sometimes Klimovich is a little bit of a forgotten man. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, you know, he applied himself and was given more of an opportunity this year under uh, Jeremy Colleton, uh, perhaps more than he, and again, the first year he was a young, raw rookie. And, you know, under Trent Cole, uh, we know that there were some issues there. It sounded like, 
again, he's coming out of his teen years. Like it just stands to reason that he's matured a little bit here, uh, you know, still growing up and still filling out physically and all those types of things. So uh, he was a second-round pick. You want to hope that uh, the Canucks have something there, and we'll see how it all plays out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, long-winded answer to your original question is I, I would think that he would still be a part of the Canucks uh, traveling uh, roster to young stars in Penticton. Yeah, 17 goals in 67 games last year. Don't love this, though. Nada in the playoffs. Nothing. Zeros yeah. across the board. The Sam yeah. Mitchell line. Yeah, zero, and, zero. and the one game that I went to, and again, it's impossible to write a book based on one look in one game, but mm-hmm. it was a tight game into the third period, and he barely played. And so you're right. Like, that's... Well, he, got, like, he had a defenseman play over him in the playoffs before that, right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, again, it's like, like he's 20 years old, yep. and we have seen some progression. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see him once again down at, uh, at Young Stars uh, as well. Uh, plus, too, with the draft coming up, who knows what you're going to see there uh, this September. Are we going to see Kyle Burroughs or Noah Juleson wear a Vancouver Canucks and or Abbotsford Canucks uh, jersey in the coming years here because it seems like JPAD as things are sort of progressing here and you know Canucks are potentially trying to sign Ethan Bear not really seeing a lot around Kyle Burroughs or Noah Juleson yeah it's gotten I mean it's been quiet but it remains remarkably quiet around both of those guys and there's a couple of ways to approach this one is you know they're both pending unrestricted free agents it's June the 6th here as we record this so there is still some time but time is also ticking to these guys being free to walk. And uh, I know Rick Dollywell's reported, like, there has been no real talks of any sort of consequence here, which leads you to believe that the Canucks are perhaps looking in a different direction here. Uh, I wonder if all of this points to, uh, you know, a re-entry for Luke Shen. And obviously that's been floated. I'm not trying to break anything here, but... I mean, what was the one thing Rick Tockett said the last time we heard him as he sat at the podium in sort of his uh, exit meeting with the media? You know, we got to get tougher. We need toughness. Well, Kyle Burroughs was third on this team in penalty minutes. And Noah Juleson just played a straight up, like, physical game, finished checks. Uh, I thought he was exceptional, that game that I talked about uh, in the playoffs that I saw out in Abbotsford. Um you know, and he plays clean. Like, he plays hard, but he plays within the rules. He doesn't take a lot of penalties. Um, and I didn't think Juleson looked out of place in the, what was it, 16 games or whatever he played, 12 games for uh, for the Canucks at the big league level. You know, if it was one of those two, and the players get some say in this as well, right? Like, Kyle Burroughs may say, hey, I don't want to be a depth guy. I'm an unrestricted free agent. I'm going to shot myself and see if there's a team that values a right shot defenseman that, you know, plays like nails here and... Uh, sticks up for teammates and all that kind of stuff. So it, it cuts both ways. I mean, the Canucks may not have interest, but he may not have interest in in resigning. But a local guy, both of them are local too, and that's another sort of layer to it. Um, but Noah Juleson just seems like so highly regarded by the organization as like just the you know real leader in Abbotsford, but a guy who could come up and fill in at the NHL level. Kyle Burroughs didn't touch the minor league system with the Canucks. He's been in the NHL and has just had to sort of accept that he's a depth guy and, you know, he's not going to play every single night. Juleson, of those two, I almost feel like Juleson maybe has more value to the organization because of that mentorship role down on the farm, but also a guy that can come up and play in a pinch. 
But you look at that right side, and as it stands right now, Heronik's under contract, Myers has the last year on his deal, Bear doesn't have a contract right now. And then if they walk away from both Kyle Burroughs and Noah Juleson, it gets pretty thin in a hurry. Like, when you look at that depth chart, Cole McWard got an opportunity. Is he ready to step in and, like, be a roster spot guy from day one? I, I don't know. Like, he was fine, but I can't, I don't even think anybody's got the full book on Cole McWard, and he's young, and he, you know, doesn't have any pro experience other than what we saw at the tail end of the season after he left college. You know, Jet Wu, like, is he next up? And we've talked about him, and they just re-signed him, and, you know, Ryan Johnson said, Thought he'd play some NHL games, but is Jet Wu going to be like the fourth guy on the right side? Like, what happens if there's an injury right off out of the gate? You know, is Cole McWard ready to step up and play every night? Is Jet Wu, who had never played in the NHL, you know, Philip Johansson, boy, the, the one game that I saw from him, he did not look NHL ready. And, you know, there is an adjustment for guys that come from Europe to smaller ice and, um, so, you know, again, you try to sort of connect the dots and read the tea leaves here. Well, if Talkit wants his toughness and they don't have a lot of depth on that right side, like, duh, you know, are all roads leading back to Luke Shen? And it kind of feels like maybe this is the direction that the Vancouver Canucks are hoping to go when that free agent window opens on July the 1st. The problem there is they cannot, cannot get in any kind of bidding war. They don't have the money. He's going to be 34 in November, and we all love Luke Shen. I don't like you know. You feel like you have to preface it that way. I think that's recognized that the players love him, the organization loved him, management, media. You know, guys, he's a solid dude, and he played well for Toronto in the playoffs. But is Luke Shen the answer? Uh, but he certainly brings an element that this team is lacking. And when you've got the head coach sitting there at the front of the room saying, "I want toughness." Well, you're walking away from two guys that, you know, play an abrasive style in Burroughs and Juleson. And those other guys, I mean, Jet Wu, I think, you know, he kind of profiles that way. But again, is he ready to step up and be uh, that guy in the National Hockey League for a team that's trying to improve and get better? So, I don't know. I mean, the more I think about that, I'm a little surprised that it's as quiet as it is, as it is around both of those local guys, right shot defensemen, you know, played depth roles for the Canucks last season. Um, you know, I think pretty low maintenance guys that just showed up and competed hard and played. And there was the one night, remember, Juleson injured, injured himself in the activation uh, before warm up, and Burroughs had to come racing in and have a staffer park his car. And you know, right. like, so it wasn't even uh, at the rink. Yeah. Anyways, um, you know, I, I, look, if they shop themselves on the open market, I hope it works out for them. Um, but. It is kind of curious, as you know, three weeks out from unrestricted free agency. It just, to me now, it's sort of feeling like this path is opening up for the Canucks to really take a run at repatriating Luke Shen for not a second time. This would be a third go round for Luke Shen with the Vancouver Canucks. I love that he's from Saskatchewan, right? But yep. everybody just thinks he's from BC, really. I know. Well, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's the guy originally played for Kelowna in the Western Hockey League and then set up shop. And um, yeah, but. I don't know. Like, does it does it not sort of feel like the dots are being connected here? Yeah, the- but there's, there's. I mean, listen. It, if he loves Vancouver, then sure, I can see it. But he's got a really good situation in Toronto as well, right? Better yep. team. Um, he's playing alongside Morgan Riley, so he's pretty much doing what he's doing in Toronto. What he did here, playing alongside Quinn Hughes. So yeah, it just depends. I think how much he he what he wants really out of the whole thing. Does he want to chase a cup? 
which is kind of funny when you think about Toronto, but you know, or does he want to come here and, and, you know, try to take the next step with the team, right? Try to make the playoffs. Right. But I also think there's like all these teams are watching Vegas right now and all oh, these sure. big, yeah. strong yeah, defensemen. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're not the if, only two options. You're right. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. what if some team comes off the top rope and says, Hey, we watched you in Toronto, you know, we'll give you a term and money. Like I, I think there could be a wild card team or two, even though you, you want to believe that management and ownership is getting smarter uh, about the way it spends money, but all it takes is one to come in with some well, sort of... hold on. Let's let free agency come in right I now. Hear no, no, that's what I said. I would, you want to believe it, but then every year you're proving that... Uh, yeah. No, they, we don't have any money. Oh, look, we found some. Let's spend yeah. it! Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about this, though? It almost seems like the whole Ethan Bear thing is like, a, oh, it's just a matter of time before it happens. His quality is 2.2 million. Yep. Like, is Ethan Bear worth... I mean, it's probably going to be somewhere. It's not going to be lower than, uh, maybe it might be a touch lower, but it's not going to be much, right? It's going to be somewhere in that ballpark, depending on term and all that. But do you like him or do you like Luke Shen? You know, at perhaps one eight, you know, maybe as high as two if there's a bidding war. Right, but I, I, I don't think that Luke Shen, given the fact that he's going to have options and there's going to be interest, like I don't think Luke Shen's coming back to Vancouver to be the fourth defenseman on the right side. Like he wants to play. Well, Ethan Bear wants to play as well. So what do you do? Like the depth chart is interesting in that regard that Heronik's going to play and play a lot. Again, I just think because of the contract, the Tyler Myers, Myers is here. He's going to start the season yeah. here. Yeah. I think they want Ethan Bear, but he's got Arbrights. And if they buy up unrestricted years, then, you know, I think you're looking at two and a half and up from, from there. You know, can they afford him? And And that's where I come back to this idea of, and I like Ethan Bear. Seems like a good dude. You know, but is he worth two and a half million dollars? Like, well, I, I don't know if he jumps off the Is Ethan Bear two and a half that much more beneficial to the Vancouver Canucks than Noah Juleson at a league minimum, right? Like, how much more are you getting out of Ethan Bear? Um, you know, he doesn't provide a lot of offense. He's not, you know, tough in the sense that, like, he's feared around the league. And he's yeah. not like a, like a true stay-at-home guy that when you think about it. Like, he's just, no, yeah. he, you know, fairly mobile and... and goes back, he's able to break pucks out for the most part, but um, and, and look, like his underlying numbers were good when he played with Quinn Hughes. They were, but most guys' numbers are pretty good when you play with Quinn Hughes. So Luke Shen has shown that you know he can be that sort of stay-at-home guy for Luke Shen. Is he the right answer for Luke Shen or for Quinn Hughes? Probably not. You know, it's sort of that you know, is he Mr. Right or is he Mr. Right now? Uh, and it's probably more the latter that you know, in a pinch, yeah, Luke Shen can step in. He can protect Quinn Hughes. He can he can still play. But, yeah, it gets muddy when you look at that right side. And, you know, for a team that's up against it with a cap, you would think it would make sense to have a guy on a league minimum contract. So, you know, maybe that's plays into Luke Shen, or uh, Jet Wu or, or Cole McWard's hands. And yet I feel like Cole McWard probably needs a season in the American Hockey League. And Jet Wu... You know, the fact that he has made progress here, great. I, I Unless he blows everybody away at training camp, I, I'm just not expecting Jet Wu to make the Vancouver Canucks out of camp. Like, I, I could see him be a call-up option, but, um, you know, and we're forgetting a little bit about, well, maybe not even a little bit, Tucker Pullman. I just, I guess in my mind, like, he's not a, an NHL player because of his health, and um, so I would expect that he's on LTIR. Like, he doesn't even factor into the conversation in my mind, but... 
Yeah, I mean, look, the right side, the overall defense, it needs to get better. But how do you do it? How do you improve while also meeting the needs of a coach that, and it was funny, I went back and I listened to Rick Tockett in that post game after Vegas was here late in the season when, you know, he was just raving three or four questions about Vegas. And he's just like, you know, uh, you know, he talked about how they cover up for a lot of, you know, what that team doesn't have. Uh, just talked about how big and solid all those guys are. And here they are two wins away from a, a Stanley Cup now. So I can't imagine that a whole lot's changed in Rick Tockett's mind about the way that you want to build uh, a National Hockey League defense that can help you succeed. So, uh, you know, it's a little clearer over on the left, I think. At least the options seem a little closer, clearer on the left. But, you know, a lot of moving parts over on that right with Ethan Bear and no contract and uh, the lack of money that they have got, but sort of the crush that they have, like other teams, on, on Luke Shen. So uh, it's going to be fascinating, no question. It's going to be uh, really interesting to see how it all plays out. And, you know, if you've got your eyes on Luke Shen and then he gets one of those offers that he says, I, I just can't, this might be the last contract in the NHL. I, you know, got to look at it. Like, do they have a plan B internally? Or, you know, would you take whatever money you were going to commit to Luke Shen and think that you could find uh, a Luke Shen light? Uh, you know, or Luke Shan 2.0 out there on the unrestricted market. So that's where I say lots of moving parts here. That's what makes this month of June and into those first couple of days of July uh, so fascinating. Let's keep in mind, too, Kyle Burroughs tied OEL in terms of goal production last year. And then we know all about goals from the blue line. They're very limited when it comes to the Canucks. But he did have two, which tied him with OEL. On the other side, let's hear from the people on this. We put out the poll question today about Juleson uh, and Burroughs. We'll see what the people had to say next here on Rinkwide Vancouver. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. A reminder about our Best Buy contest. Get into it. You only got a few more days. Head over to Ring or to Twitter at Rinkwide Van and see the post there. It's pinned to our profile. Uh, follow all the steps, and then you will be entered into the contest. We got two $50 gift cards still to give away, courtesy of our friends at Best Buy Canada. Our poll question today was, which UFA defenseman should the Canucks re-sign? Kyle Burrows, Noah Juleson, both or neither? 800 votes in, and it's early, so uh, well done, people. You guys are uh, speaking out right now, 44.8% of them are saying Kyle Burrows, and that's followed by 23.9% of them that are saying neither J-Pat. Let's hear from some of the people, though. Mike in the Valley says, considering they will mostly play in the AHL, 
I don't know about that with Burroughs. I'd say Juleson, uh, as he is more rounded game, but Burroughs, but he spelt it like Alex Burroughs, <laughs> does uh, bring some toughness that Vancouver is lacking. He says, I'd be fine, though, if they signed neither and gave the younger players in Abbey some more ice time, which is kind of what we were talking about there. However, there is, you know, someone like Cole McWard, who, you know, early in the year and what we saw him in the NHL looked fine. But are you confident that, you know, he can be able to stay here for a full season feels like he needs a full year in the AHL as you mentioned yeah and also and and that's fine it's each their own it doesn't address the toughness issue at all uh and toughness only helps you if it's in the lineup right like that's part of the thing with Kyle Burroughs like when he was in there he was game and he was willing to stick up for teammates and we saw that right down to the final game game 82 when he took on big Josh Brown down in Arizona um but Rick Tockett sort of wants this element of toughness, a deterrent in his lineup. But toughness has to be able to play. And, and that's where Luke Shen does enter the equation that, you know, he's still got game at this stage of his career. Um, and that's why I say I don't think Shen wants to be a depth guy who's only going to get into 45 or 50 games and has to wait for injuries and opportunities. And I think Rick Tockett wants somebody that's out there on patrol just to add that element to what the Vancouver Canucks are able to ice. So... Uh, if you go from within, again, Jet Wu plays a physical style, but is Jet Wu going to be one of your top three right side defensemen to start the season? Like, I just, I, I don't see that happening. And that's with all due respect to Jet Wu, but I really think like he would have to come to camp and blow the barn doors off, you know, his competition, but also uh, impress the coaching staff and management. Yeah. Let's keep in mind too, like Kyle Burroughs didn't touch the AHL last year. No. Or as a Vancouver Canuck. Like, exactly, yeah. The last time he played in the AHL was back in 2021, and that was with the Colorado Eagles when he was a member of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, these ones we can tie in together. I don't know if Scar Bacon is being sarcastic here, though. Yes, yes, Says, he is. Keep, he is, right? Okay. Yes. Says, keep both, keep Myers at the deadline and re-sign Bear, bring back the exact same roster, go Canucks, go. And then Josh Zamboni follows it up, uh, Zamboni guy. He's not a Zamboni, he's a Zamboni guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, Josh! God damn it! He says, and Shen. So I'm assuming he's saying, which UFA defenseman should you uh, Canucks resign? Both and Shen. Could you see that scenario? Where no, no. yeah, yeah. Again, it's it is fascinating to what the the Canucks are going to do here. I think the reality of all of this is, it's still not good enough. That blue line, like as we've seen with what Vegas is doing, and don't get me wrong, like Vegas has got two Team Canada guys basically on their back end so they're the outlier when it comes to this but the way they built that team other teams uh, again copycat league they are going to be staring right at that because think about it um petrangelo was on the 32 thoughts podcast yesterday and mentioned you know was asked about aiden hill and basically said we don't care who's behind us we feel like it, it doesn't matter like that we can win any game with anyone that's in net and what five goaltenders yeah is it five that Vegas yeah. used this year so when you've got Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore back there, amongst others, you can see why he can make that statement. Yeah, and look, the way Vegas has constructed its blue line, it's fascinating. They've been in the league six years now. They've used one draft pick in the first round on a defenseman, and he never played for them. He's in Ottawa now. Eric Branstrom was part of the uh, Mark Strone deal. So, you know, this isn't like they've use the first rounders that they've had to build out this defense or even incorporate a first round of their own on this blue line. Uh, And I know that this is sport in Vancouver and usually it's around first rounders that got away. Uh, And every, once a guy's into the second round, pretty much every team missed or had the opportunity, but 
just going back and looking at 2017 draft, the Canucks land Elias Pettersson, the draft's a success right there. It's done. doesn't matter what happened, but we could be sitting here talking about the Canucks getting Elias Pettersson in the first round of that 2017 draft, and Nicholas Haig was taken one pick after Cole Lind. That one hurts. Yeah. Jason Robertson was taking a few picks. Like, you know, we all, the entire hockey world just marvels at the Dallas Stars and what they accomplished in one draft. The Canucks could have walked away with Elias Pettersson and Jason Robertson in the same draft. Again, into the second round, lots of teams can sit there and say that and have their regrets. But the Cole Lind one, Cole Lind, and the very next pick is Nick Hag, who just looks so solid out there. Big, strong, skates well. Hair flip. Uh, yeah, the hair flip, yeah, like the hair that. flip. Oh, another defenseman goal, by the way, uh, last night. Oh, I was going to get there. I got it in my notes. Okay. We'll do it on the All next right, side there. But uh, listen, if we did a podcast on the ones that got away for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, listen, uh, we'd, be, sure. we'd be crying at the end of it. <laughs> I recognize, but I just, but I just, I mean, it's timely with Nick Hague in the Stanley Cup final here. But again, all these teams had a shot at him. The Canucks selected for uh, to go with Cole Lind. Didn't work out for him or them. And that's not to write Cole Lind off. Like he had a decent season in the American Hockey League. He's in Seattle system now. We'll see if he becomes a full-time NHLer at some point here. But uh, yeah, add Nick Hegg to the long list of ones that got away. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Creek Ride Vancouver is presented by Bodog, Canada's home for casino games and sports odds where everyone goes to play. Let's uh, get into a little bit of playoff talk right now because, of course, the Stanley Cup final is going on and Vegas leads the series 2 nothing. Before we dive into last night's game, though, let me tell you that our playoff talk and our Stanley Cup final talk is presented by Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. Yeah, and for those of you that are in the housing market or getting into the housing game, if you're up for renewal with your mortgage, then you want to talk to Jason Hominick because uh, this is complicated stuff and uh, you know you don't want to mess around and wind up leaving a bunch of money on the table. Jason Hominick is here to help. A mortgage broker uh, with 30 years of expertise in the industry. We always say this, you've got questions. And guess what? He's got answers, and uh, he wants to give you those answers. He wants to help you. He wants to help Rinkwide listeners, and he has already saved Rinkwide listeners a bunch of money, so uh, why not reach out with a phone call to him? Loves hockey, if that's what you want as your icebreaker to you know ease into the conversation. You can have a little fun talking hockey and then get down to business with Jason. But he's there. He's one phone call away. Contact info is on his website, which is jason.mortgage. So there you go. What are you waiting for? Reach out to Jason Hominick. You think Jason could help the Florida Panthers right now? Uh, I, I wonder if he could help me. Uh, I need some protection. I'm getting uh, bombarded on Twitter. People seem to think that I was playing the role of troll. I, I really wasn't because we talked about it yesterday that when Vegas inevitably won the second game, we were going to see that statistic about teams that take a 2 nothing lead in the Stanley Cup Finals. And so, yeah, I tweeted it out late in the game last night. The teams with a 2 nothing series lead in a Stanley Cup Final, in a best-of-seven Stanley Cup Final, 
go on to hoist the cup 90.6% of the time. They're 48 and 5 in those situations, and that percentage jumps to 92.7. For teams that go ahead 2 0 in the final when winning the first two games on home ice, 38 and 3. And yeah, it still stings 12 years later. It's uh, remarkable to think. And I remember. So, what were people going at you about? Just about the reality of the numbers? It's too soon. I got that about a thousand what? times. Not, listen, I'm a betting man. You're giving me 90% odds? Hell yeah, I'm putting money down. Yeah, we all know it happened to the Canucks. I get it. Um, I'm not trolling the Canucks. Like, it happened. It's history. It, like, and, and Vegas is in a great spot now. Like, it doesn't happen very often. That's the part that sucks from a Canucks perspective is that. Like 38 and 3, when you win the first two on home ice, it's almost like a given that you're going to get it done. But if anybody knows that the series is not over, you would think Roberto Luongo then in that executive booth for the Florida Panthers. Uh, the thing for Bobby Lou is boy, the road in the Stanley Cup final has not been kind to him as a player or as a manager now. Uh, we all know what happened in Boston 0 and 3 on the road in 2011, and now 0 and 2 in these first two games. I think. Luongo's teams have been outscored 24 to 7 in the five games, either as a player or a management, on the road in the Stanley Cup final. So they're going back to South Florida. Series isn't over yet, but Vegas is sitting pretty. And yeah, I mean, 38 of the 41 teams to ever jump out to a 2 0 lead went on to win. And that's just, I remember it clear as day. Like the, the thinking was that Canucks team, best team of the regular season. There's no way that the Canucks can lose four of the next five. Like, it just can't happen. It happened. I might put my arm out and my shoulder out here, patting myself on the back, because I did say I felt like that goalie Bob was going to uh, become human in this series. And what is that? 12 to four. Yeah. They've been outscored in the first two games as Vegas uh, takes game two last night, seven to two. And I'm also going to pat myself on the back because Jonathan Marcheseau is vaulting himself up the Conn Smythe. Uh, odds on favorite mm-hmm. right now to win it at even money. He had a three-point night last night. He's up to 12 goals now uh, in the playoffs, one behind Leon Dreisaitl. That's incredible that Leon Dreisaitl's still there. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, goals from defenseman Alec Martinez uh, with a goal for VGK. Big story in the game was the Matt Kachuk hit on Jack Eichel. And originally when it, when it happened, you see Eichel just scurry uh, to the dressing room. But after the game, he admitted, no, clean hit. Like, you know, I went to the dressing room because I decided to see if I was all right. And, you know, instead of just sitting there lying on the ice uh, like a piece of roadkill or something like that. But I'll tell you what, Matt Kachuk, that was a clean hit. He's, and we've seen a couple of these now from the Florida Panthers. They're Ooh. those guys. They can be heat-seeking missiles. We saw the one uh, Sam Bennett laid uh, in the Eastern Conference final. But what a hit from Matt Kachuk. However, what a hit to the Florida Panthers as they're down to buzz with all the statistics that you just uh, brought out. Yeah, I mean, you don't expect star-on-star violence the way we saw it. Uh, uh, when it's Matt Kachuk, you that's do. what makes Matthew <laughs> Kachuk so. Like the more I watch Matthew Kachuk, and this thought has been in my head before, but again last night, like I, I just see uh, so much of the way Jerome McGinley played the game that sure, you know, there's yeah. so many ways that he can beat you. And last night was an example. Like he has the big hit, uh, the big scrum draws the attention, gets two and the misconduct. He sits in the penalty box forever. Gets out of the penalty box, and what does he do? He goes and scores. You know, I'm watching that game, and I'm seeing Eichel, and I'm not expecting Kachuk to be this sort of heat-seeking missile that kind of came out of nowhere off the bench and just drilled him. But What a read, though. What a read yeah, to get to no, line absolutely. him up. And 
J-Pat, that's about as square as you can get shoulder to chest. Yep. Like, that was a phenomenal hit from... Yeah, and uh, Black Cycle's not injured. Like, I... I and they get an extra day between games here, which, you know, in theory should, if he needs a couple days off the ice or whatever, like hopefully that'll allow him to get back to 100%. But the fact that he not only returned to the game, but then made the play to set up the, you know, Florida gets the goal early in the third period. And you're thinking, all right, it's not over. And then boom, the response and they're back up five to one and away they went. So, yeah, I mean, uh, incredible storyline there. Love the... Florida TV reporter that Samantha uh, Riviera <laughs> from CBS in Miami holding oh, off so that good. drunken VGK fan. Oh, what so a pro. Good. What an absolute pro. Yeah. What else I loved in that game too? Connor Bedard on the TNT panel with an absolute <laughs> yeah. amazing chirp on Paul Bizanet. If you haven't uh, checked that out again, this is what I'm liking about what TNT is doing as well. Like they're bringing that personality to the NHL. They're bringing what they have with uh, their NBA studio show into the NHL now. So good on Connor Bedard though, to be so poised up there too. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, I bet you Samantha Rivera is probably going to be on that panel before long. I bet you this gets a little bit of attention. Like, what a great man end up being the greatest thing that ever happened to her career. I mean, in that moment, not so much, but man, did she have oh, absolutely. like a pro. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so I'm going to pat myself on the back once again because I hit on my Bodog best bet. I hope you guys followed that one last night. I had VGK on the puck line, minus a goal and a half at plus 180. Almost double your money there, so I love that one. Some great value. But as mentioned now, on Bodog, the Con Smythe trophy winner, odds on favorite is Jonathan Marcheseau at even money. Aiden Hill is next at plus 350 and your boy Jack Eichel at plus 400 is the one after that. I know that uh, you were looking elsewhere perhaps at William Carlson. He's at a plus 1000 now, but j from our original picks, like we look pretty smart right now and you know, it could just take a, you know, if Eichel has a couple of big games, he could pass Marcheseau and end up winning uh, that con Smythe, but head over to Bodog now and uh, put down your money while these odds are, are are good, especially for Eichel. If you can get four to one on your money right now and you think he might have a couple of big games uh, left in him, you know, maybe that's worth a little bit of sprinkle. But Jonathan Marcheseau at even money now. He's, again, like as I mentioned, he's he just seems to be one of those guys that flies under the radar in terms of, you know, he's not a superstar, but he's a very good player. But not only that, like he steps yeah. up when games are utmost importance. Yeah, and a clinical finisher when the puck is yeah. on his stick, as we're seeing here. Uh, you know, just making the most of his opportunities. But what I liked about Vegas's win is that, yeah, they got to Bob, uh, but, you know, it wasn't William Carlson or it wasn't Mark Stone, like, dominating the hockey game. You know, Nick Waugh steps up with a big goal. Uh, another goal from a defenseman, as I mentioned earlier. Vegas has three goals from defensemen in the first two games of this series. So, of course, I had to go back and look at the Canucks. Uh, they got three goals from defensemen over their final 10 games of the regular season. And here in the first two games of the Stanley Cup final, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights getting contributions from guys lower in the lineup. And that's what you need. Again, you know, you'll take contributions from the top end guys and Marcia so stepped up and, uh, you know, Stone did score in the, in the opener of the series, but it wasn't like one guy uh, dominated last night. That's sort of the Vegas way that, I mean, you know, they just, they get guys chipping in uh, all over the lineup from your top end forwards to the depth guys to defensemen. And then, oh yeah, you got Aiden Hill doing Aiden Hill stuff at the back end, uh, the last line of defense. So two down, you know, we'll see. They've got to yeah. go find a way to win on the road now. But yeah. as we talked about, up to nothing in a Stanley Cup final, uh, very much in the driver's seat. And 
you know, if they get up 3 nothing, I know they need 4 to win, but uh, if they get up 3, uh, it kind of feels like the clock striking midnight on uh, the Florida Panthers at Listen, that point. If, if you think the Cats, I mean, they're only down 2 buzz, and I know yeah. that the odds tell you that it's really against them, but if you think the Cats can do it here, they're at plus 425 right now to win the series on Bodog. Minus 600 for Vegas. So you got to shell out a bunch of money to make some on VGK. But if you think that Florida perhaps could do it, plus 425 there. On Marcheseau for just a moment too. In the two cup runs that Vegas has now made, 39 games played, 42 points, yeah. 20 goals. That'll work. Like that is fantastic from Jonathan yep. Marcheseau for the Vegas Golden Knights. All right. That was a fantastic episode of Rink Wide mm. Vancouver. This has been another edition of Rink Wide Vancouver. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink Wide is the show. Oh, it's good.